All right, hallelujah. We have made our way to Unit 6, Jesus Parables About Money, and this is in God's economics. You know, Jesus actually had a lot to say about money, and he used money as an example for people in parables of how to engage with money, how not to engage with money, Um, and he knew that money had a firm grip on many, many people's hearts. So he spoke about it a lot. He was not afraid to talk about money. But the guiding scripture for this unit is for uh, from Matthew 13, verses 12 and 13. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So when a pastor today or a teacher today uses an analogy to try to help you understand what they're talking about, that's an illustration. That is not a parable. Jesus spoke in parables, and he says even here, the reason why he speaks in parables is because people didn't understand him. Jesus sometimes spoke directly, but a lot of times to the crowds, he spoke in parables. Actually, what the scripture says to the insiders, to his disciples that were with him, he explained everything. And there are there's another group, the Pharisees, the religious people, to them who were so arrogant and they thought they had it all figured out. Jesus also spoke very directly. I mean, it is like cut to the quick that he's saying things that they should understand, but they don't understand. And then he's saying things that are identifying where their quote unquote wisdom is really coming from. Jesus is not afraid to be a direct communicator, but when he's speaking to the crowds, when he's speaking to the masses, he spoke in parables. Why? Because some people were going to understand, but most people were not. And this is why at the end of many of his parables, he would say, he who has ears, hear. He who has ears, here. He didn't know who had ears and who didn't have ears. He didn't know in that crowd who was going to understand and who was not going to understand. But he knew that the majority of people were not going to understand that he is the Messiah. He knew the majority of people were not going to understand his teaching. And even many times throughout the Gospels, it is made clear that the disciples, this is before the Holy Spirit was poured out, even those closest to him did not understand much of what Jesus spoke about. But Jesus used parables, okay, not to try to help people understand, but actually to sift out those who had revelation from those who did not. So, we're going to start with the the most basic parable. In one of the instances of this parable, Jesus even says, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any of the other parables? And this is the parable of the sower. But we're going to focus specifically, because this is God's economics, I do have another course on the parables of Jesus, and this will go, that course will go into all of the different elements of all of the parables of Jesus. But this is God's economics. So we're looking 
looking at the parables specifically that either pertain to money or use money as the example or that have a monetary, our relationship with money uh, implication in the message that they are communicating. So even as we look at the parable of the sower in this course, we're going to focus primarily on the second soil and the third soil. So I'm going to assume that most of the people listening to this class have a basic understanding of this parable already. If you don't, then you can hit pause right now, go to Matthew 13, and read verses 1 through 23. That will give you the basic picture of this parable. But I'm going to assume anyone who's made it this far in this class at the pace that I'm going through the Word of God, I, I'm assuming that many of you have a basic biblical understanding already, so you're, you have have some basic familiarity with this parable, so I'm not going to go in-depth into a lot of detail about it. The background of the parable, we always have to take these parables in context, and that is something we're going to do in this unit. I'm very big on that also in my course on the parables of Jesus. You've always got to take a parable in context. Why? Because Jesus is responding to a situation that he is in at that moment. He is explaining what he's doing at that moment in some instances. So, But he's always responding to something. There's a reason why he's telling this parable in that moment. So we've got to understand what's going on. Well, in this context, Jesus is up on the mountain and he is sharing this with a crowd of people who have come to hear his teaching. And and in the time leading up to this, he's been accused of working for Satan. The religious leaders, they don't understand what he's doing. And it has identified that they have major, major, major misunderstandings about what the kingdom of God is really all about. So the parable is about, he, he it's a sower, meaning a farmer or someone who's going out into the fields to sow seed, to plant seed. So if you are in a part of the world where there's still farming and you still live on farming, you know what that is. It's the person who goes out and scatters seed into the field so that something grows up and you can have food to eat. In America, some people think that food grows in the supermarket and it comes in plastic packaging already. That's not how it works, okay? Jesus was in an agricultural society. He was speaking to people who would know that a sower would go out into the field to grow some food. So he's talking about a sower goes out into a field and throws seed, just broadcasting seed. Broadcasting is you take a big handful of seed and you just throw it. You throw it into the field and wherever it lands, it lands, okay? So he is sowing seed into all different kinds of soil. He's not doing a test to see, oh, is this good soil? Oh, is that good soil? Oh, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna bother to put my seed there because I can tell that it's not gonna grow anything. That soil, I'm not, you know, he he didn't do any soil testing before throwing the seed. He just threw the seed out there, proclaimed the kingdom of God, and it is made clear that the seed is the word of God. When Jesus gives the the understanding or the explanation of this parable, okay, but the sower is sowing seed into various kinds of soil. Now, he describes one that falls along the path. Now, you can picture on a path, it's worn in. There's a reason it's a path. If you've ever walked through the woods and there's there's a way that is not tread down, but a path has been tread down with the feet. People have gone that way before, okay? There's, there's seed that is sown along the path. Well, 
If it's along the path, then it's not going to fall deep into the soil because the soil has already been tread down with the feet. All right, so there's nowhere for the seed to penetrate under the soil so that it can actually start to grow. So there's one that's along the path. There's another that's on rocky soil. Well, rocky soil, there's not a lot of dirt there. It's rock. It's rock. So, you know, like I grew up on the coast of Maine. It is ledge. It's very difficult to grow things. There are a couple of things that grow on rocks, but not you know, you're not going to grow a big farm on rocky soil. You need dirt to be able to do that, okay? The other uh, soil that Jesus describes is among thorns. Now, you could have lush, fertile soil, but if there are thorns growing up, then it's going to inhibit the growth of the crop, and it might even choke it out completely where the thorns take the life of the food that you are trying to grow. And then the last soil is good. Good soil. So it is rich, it is fertile soil, and it doesn't have any thorns or, or inhibitors in it. And so it produces a crop 30, 60, and 100 fold for the kingdom of God. And I know everyone wants to be that last soil. It is in everyone's heart. God has planted eternity in the human heart. Everyone wants to be that last soil. But the behavior, our behavior, is what demonstrates and puts to the proof what soil we actually are. So Jesus, he gives an explanation. The second soil, if you noticed, was the rocky ground, right? So this is the explanation of the rocky soil. Other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. Okay, and then his explanation for the third soil is other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. So that's Jesus' explanation of the soils themselves. That's the parable that he's saying. And then the disciples, later, they get alone with Jesus. So he tells the parable to the crowd, but later when he's alone with his disciples, he explains everything to them. And he explains to them that the seed is the word of God. The, and the Luke version of this makes it clear that the, the word is the word of the kingdom of God. So what did we talk about in the last unit? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The seed is the word of God, the word of the gospel of God, the word of the kingdom of God. That is what is being broadcasted. That is what is being sown into the soils of the heart, okay? So that's what this parable is really all about. But then when Jesus is alone with his disciples, he starts to explain what it means. And the explanation for the second soil, now that's the rocky ground, the second soil, let's listen to Jesus' words on that. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. That's the Matthew version. The Luke version puts it this way. And the ones on the rock, this is the seed that falls on the rocky soil, are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, 
and in the time of testing, fall away. Okay, so there it is. Initially, people with second soil hearts, they hear the word of the kingdom. You know, they go to a gospel rally. They go to, a, a, you know, the proclamation of the gospel. They go to some evangelist. They hear some evangelist. They hear the word of the kingdom and they say, yes, that's for me. Yes. Oh, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Yes, I, I bear witness to that. That's for me. Woohoo! But really, they're actually still very shallow. I'm not being insulting. That's what rocky soil is. You picture a rock, you pull a little dirt on top, you can't grow a lot of soil out of that. It's shallow. There's not a deep root there. For a plant to grow, it reaches down, it's reaching down, trying to reach down to get some into the the water and the nourishment of a deep soil, and instead it hits rock. And so they believe for a little while, but the problem is that the things of this world, the Babylon system, the things of the fear of man, there's not a firm enough rooting and desire for the kingdom of God. This is that unit we talked about. Are you after Babylon's treasure or are you after Jesus' reward? If you do not have an eternal perspective, if you do not have an eternal hope, then when things start to get rough in this world, you're going to go, you're going to side with Babylon. And that's what this says. In the time of testing, you will fall away. When things start to get, no pun intended, rocky in your life, when things start to get shaken in your life, you fall away because you're like, well, this isn't the God I signed up for. I thought this was going to be joyful. I received this with joy. I received this like everything was going to go great for me. I received this like I wasn't going to have any problems anymore. But look at all these problems. And actually, I've traced it back. All of these problems are because I'm saying that I believe this guy, Jesus. And all of these problems are coming because I've been trying to do things, you know, this Jesus way. So I, I'm, I know what I'm going to do to solve this problem. I'm going to reject Jesus. I'm going to go back to the Babylon system. Sorry, I was confused for a while when I thought that Jesus was right. That's what second soils do. And for anyone who has been taught once saved, always saved, people try to skirt and wiggle around this parable, especially the Luke version, what says they believed for a while. They try to say that someone who falls away from the faith was never really saved at all. I'm sorry, that's a lie. You are squirming like men do when they have a false doctrine. You're squirming to try to short circuit scriptures that are plain that are plain on these issues. Jesus, the words of Jesus, they had no root, but they did believe. They received it with joy. They received it with joy. This is John 1.12. Those who believe, those who receive, have the right to become children of God. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. You know, even the Apostle Paul said, I discipline myself daily so that after preaching to others, I myself am not disqualified. We have to take this seriously, and particularly in these end times. It is about to get real, 
people in our world all over the place. Global persecution against believers, global tribulation. And some of you think you're not going to be here anymore when it gets really rough. You're in for a big surprise. It's going to be rough, even for believers, but you've got to have such an eternal perspective that in the time of testing, now what is a test? A test is given to see if you're going to pass. I want you to pass that test, friends. I want to pass that test. In the time of testing, do you stand in the Word of God? Do you stand for the kingdom of God? Or is your rocky heart so shallow that you go the way of Babylon and refuse to come out of Babylon to lay hold of eternal life. And just quickly, at one point in time, I was doing some research about various soils, and I'm not much of a gardener myself, but I was looking into what it would take if I were a gardener and I was trying to, you know, grow a garden on rocky soil. Well, here's what it takes to make rocky soil into soil that can grow something. There are two options. Number one, you can smash that soil into smithereens. You got to break it up so that it becomes dirt. Break it up again so that it becomes the dust of the earth, that it might be able to bring forth something, that it might be able to nourish something that can grow and produce fruit. So some of you, you're in second soil, and it feels like your life has constantly been smashed and smashed and smashed, and you don't know why this is happening to you. It's because you're in second soil territory. God's trying to break up the soil of your heart that you can produce good fruit for his kingdom. But here's the other option, and here's the better way to go. What God said, the promise of the new covenant, is that he will give you a new heart and a new spirit. That's the second option. The second option, if you've got rocky soil, option number one, you smash those rocks into smithereens. You smash them back into the dust of the earth. Option number two, you remove the rocks. Remove the rocks and replace it with real soil. God said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. If you find yourself in second soil territory in your own heart, you got to ask God, you've got to cry out to God to give you a new heart and a new spirit so that you can produce lasting fruit for the kingdom of God, so that you do not fall away in the time of testing. All right, so we'll go into the third soil. The third soil was seed that was sown among the thorns. And we'll look again, the words of Jesus. There are three there because we're looking at all of the synoptic gospels because there are different subtleties that are revealed in them. And I want to be thorough on this. This is important. So we're going to look at it from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew 13, 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Unfruitful. It does not bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Because the cares of what? This world. Babylon, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for money to be rich in this world rather than having an eternal focus. It proves unfruitful for the kingdom of God, produces nothing for the kingdom of God. Mark 4, 18, 
and others are ones sown among the thorns. This is the same explanation. It's just given in the Mark version. They are those who hear the word. So Jesus had said, those who have ears, hear. These people, they heard. They heard. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So the end part of that is the same. The word gets choked and it proves unfruitful, but Mark includes desires for other things. What do you desire? You know, I talked in the last unit about, you know, Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What are your desires? If your desires are aligned with God, if you desire nothing but God, then your fruit will never be choked. God will see to it that you produce bountifully for his kingdom. But if your desire is, oh yeah, I heard the word of the kingdom, but you know, I'd like to be really big in this world. I'd like to be rich in this world. I'd like to have this and this and this and this in this world. The desire for other things chokes out the word and it proves unfruitful. You will stand before Jesus and you will have no fruit to show him because your focus and attention has been on the things of this world. Luke 8, 14, same explanation, just a different version of it. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, notice he didn't say as they go God's way, as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. So this is the most tragic of all, I think, because there are many people, you know, just because you're in the third soil with the thorny heart doesn't mean you can't function in spiritual gifts, doesn't mean you can't quote a lot of scripture, doesn't mean you can't attend church meetings, doesn't mean you can't run a great prayer meeting. As a baby who hasn't matured to spiritual maturity, And, you know, maybe in the circles that you're in, this is rampant in the church in the West. You know, there are people who are advanced in their evangelical circles. They seem to have it really going on, but they're nothing but overdeveloped babies. They have never actually matured to Christ-likeness with the purpose and the focus of the kingdom of heaven. Because, yeah, they're walking with God to, you know, kind of on their own terms. They're going their own way. And God is so gracious that he's like, you know, I, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'll make the best of this path that you've chosen. But you're not producing fruit for the kingdom. You're focused on the cares of this world, the riches of this world, and the pleasures of this life. Well, here's one of the tests, a major test that's going to come in the end times. This is from 2 Thessalonians 2. God is going to test those who love the truth and those who love pleasure. So if you love pleasure, you've got major stumbling blocks in your way. And if you think that God is there to give you your pleasures, you've got this whole thing backwards. God is not here to give us the pleasures of this life in his presence are eternal 
pleasures forevermore. You don't know what real, genuine, eternal, pure pleasure is until you've been truly, truly in the presence of God. But third soil people with those thorny hearts, that thorny soil, the pleasures of this life, the pleasures of your flesh, the pleasures of luxury, the pleasure of comfort, you're not producing fruit that's mature. No. You might, you might be ranking it up. You might look like a big success in this world. But no, you have not produced fruit that is mature for the kingdom of God. And again, with this one also, when I sought the Lord about various types of gardening and soil and what does it take, and I was specifically asking, you know, how, to, how, do, how do I minister to people when I discern that from your, by your spirit that I'm dealing with a second soil person or when I'm dealing with a third soil person? Now, the third soil is those so, the soil with thorns. So I said, Lord, you know, how do I minister to someone who's in the third soil? And he said, first, you put gloves on. <laughs> you know, if you're a gardener and you're going to go up against some thorny soil, those thorns will spike you, man. They will spike you. You will get cuts. So my Jesus, he's no fool. He said, put gloves on. I just laughed. He's funny. I love Jesus. But here's the deal. You got thorny soil. If you recognize this in yourself, if you're humble enough to admit that you're in the third soil territory right now, the only way to grow real crops out of thorny soil is you got to cut those thorns out of there and you've got to cut them out down to the root. So with thorns, actually, if in, in what I read about gardening, the, you know, if it's a long string, like a vine of thorns, you got to cut it back in segments so that you're not uprooting uh, the good stuff that's in the garden, the, the plants that you want to grow. You don't want to just rip out the whole vine of thorns. You got to cut back the thorns bit by bit by bit until you get down to the origin of it, until you really figure out where the root of it is. And then you got to rip it out from the root. And what every gardening you know, magazine or whatever it was I was Googling uh, suggested is you got to burn it. You got to burn that thing up. So if you've got a third soil heart, if you've got thorny soil in your heart, you got to get those thorns out of there bit by bit by bit. Recognize where your heart has gone astray. Recognize where you have given yourself over to the ways of Babylon and the pleasures of this life, and you're trying to make money all over the place and using God's name to do it. You got to rip that stuff out of your life. Have no mercy on the thorns in your heart. And then when you get down to the ultimate root of it, you got to burn it, burn it, burn it the same way that you would burn an idol of a false god. That's where those things belong. Put your gloves on and deal with the thorns in your heart so that you can be counted among those in the good soil who produce what we all want to produce. I know you want to produce for the kingdom of God, friend. This is what it takes. Break up the, the, the rocky soil. Remove the thorns from the soil of your heart so that you can be good soil that produces 30, 60, and 100-fold for the kingdom of God.